In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. I become uh, increasingly concerned that we don't have uh, culturally clear ways of mourning and grieving. There was a time in our culture when uh, we had uh, loss, when somebody died, uh, when we had um, some real loss in our life, uh, that there would be a period of days where we were expected uh, to be showing our grief and the people around us expected us uh, to show that grief. And there was a very clear process um, whereby uh, we do that. And uh, that got lost along with uh, many other things uh, during the Protestant Reformation and the Industrial Revolution for um, lots of reasons, so that now we expect that somebody could be grieving and we couldn't tell. They would walk into work, they would walk into office the next day, they'd walk into school, and there would be no sign uh, of their grief. I had a, a friend a dozen or so years ago who uh, lost his small business. Um, after many years, it failed and he had to close it. He lost his house, and then his wife became seriously ill. And he went to a therapist, and they diagnosed him with depression. And I said, I don't think you're depressed. I think you're grieving. Or you should be, and you're not. You're not acknowledging this loss and the change to your life and that this is going to take uh, a change. Um, it's going to take um, some, some difference. And what happens is when we don't do that, when we don't properly grieve, when we don't um, address that grief, is um, it changes the way that we see ourselves in the world. We begin to live differently, um, sometimes in a way that is not um, conducive. We become hopeless, um, we do become sad, and um, we do take on um, a long-term period of um, depression uh, that would keep us from seeing the blessings the Lord has for us, the new things that he has um, in store for us. And uh, this is, um, I think, very important um, for the practical purposes of Lent. Because if we start fasting on top of grief that we're not addressing, or sadness and depression that we're not addressing, it's going to feel like our Father in Heaven is mad at us and taking things away. Because we've all got a little three-year-old inside of us. That three-year-old never grew up, right? And when people take things from us, that little three-year-old stomps his feet and says, that's mine. And when we lose things in life, when we lose people or we lose hope or we lose um, you know, some plan for the future that we had been depending on and it's gone, um, we get angry and we get upset and we stomp our feet like that three-year-old. And uh, this is just not what um, Lent is about. It's not about the Lord taking away good things for us. It's about a practice of self-reflection and really looking to see what am I doing, how am I thinking, how am I feeling, and, and how is the Lord asking me to, to reorder my life. And, and fasting is just one part of it, um, but um, it, um, it was taken away for so long in the church, in so many parts of the church, that it kind of takes this, um, it, it kind of looks like a big deal, right? Um, during the, the English Civil War, um, between the, the Protestants and the Anglicans, right, the levelers, the Puritans and the Anglicans, the Puritans extended Lent for like six weeks. They canceled Easter. 
Why anybody followed that, I have got no idea, right? You'd think if you were with some group of people and they said, you know what, let's cancel Easter and Christmas, you'd say, I think I'm going to choose somebody else. But these folks were committed and they went along with that. And they went along with the practice then of, of not having and keeping Lent altogether. And it's very interesting, um, there is a need for it in the church. So you go to any kind of non-denominational church and eventually you're going to find them celebrating Lent. They don't do it the 40 days before Easter, but you'll find during the summer, you'll find a 40 days of healthy eating or a 40 days of prayer. They're, they're keeping some 40 days of Lent. They just call it something else and they keep their 40 days at another time because it's essential for Christian life and you see it in scripture and eventually you can't, you can't get over it. But it, it shouldn't take um, a larger portion of all the things that we do, right? So we just heard um, the things that we're supposed to be doing. Um, or are we about to hear it? Um, here we go. On uh, 340, uh, no, 544. Top of page 544. So observing a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance. So I examine myself and I say, oh, is this thing that I'm doing, um, is the time that I'm waking up in the morning, is the first thing that I'm doing, the television show I'm watching, the book I'm reading, the people I'm having lunch with, what I'm eating for lunch, how I'm spending my work day, how I think about my work, how I treat my coworkers, how I treat my husband, wife, siblings, how I uh, keep my relationships, the priorities that I have for my friendships, the way that I treat my neighbors, the way that I keep my house. You see where I'm going with this? It's everything we have to look at, right? And then we have to make changes and say, oh, I need to prioritize the time that I spend with my family a little bit more, the time I spend with my friends, or the way that I talk to my coworkers, or the way that I look at people, and the way that I think about them, right? I've got to make these little changes. So this is the plan for Lent. These are the things we're doing these 40 days. And there's tools to do that, right? How do we do that? Number one, the first tool is we pray, right? So we pray for self-examination. We say, okay, Lord, give me new eyes to see my daily life. Give me new eyes during these 40 days to see the way that I'm living my life. Am I dedicating it to you? Am I doing it in a productive way, a meaningful way, a way that brings dignity and grace, right? Am I open to the new things that you have for me? And then fasting is another one of those tools. Fasting, again, is not our Father taking a good thing away from us. It's us showing us some self-discipline and saying, um, I'm going to allow some experience of hunger in my life because when I get hungry, I get tempted Right? And I experience that temptation, and then I get to remind myself, oh, I don't live on bread alone, but by the word of God. And that's the reminder. So I'm not going to eat sweets. I see the chocolate bar in the grocery store, and I get tempted to buy the, the chocolate bar, and I say, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. So I'm reminding myself, right, in repentance to be orienting myself to God. Almsgiving, right? I've got a couple extra dollars in my pocket to buy that candy bar with or to buy myself a drink or something like that. And then I think, oh, that's money that I could put in my ARDF box or that I could give, right? And so we're ordering that. Now, I want to say about almsgiving that this should not be uh, some kind of random just um, by the gut, right? We should have a budget in our lives. Our money should be budgeted, right? So we should know how much is going to almsgiving, just like for tithing. So this money shouldn't be coming from something else. It should be part of our budget um, for almsgiving. And I personally don't recommend just giving to anybody on the street 
um, but to the Salvation Army or ARDF or someplace where we know that money is going to be used um, well. So it's not something that we're just doing heat of the moment by impulse, um, but it's a discipline. It's a regular discipline. And we're taking some money from another place um, in our budget, right? We're saying, I'm not going to spend that money on myself. I'm going to spend that money on the good things of God. And then by reading and meditating on God's holy word. So that means that we're not only reading it, but we're, we're meditating on it. We're thinking about it, right? And, and that's why we have made these, um, these sheets, because in order to do this, uh, we have to have a little bit of a plan. So um, this is just a way to help us organize this plan of what is that daily reading going to look like? What is my prayer discipline going to look like? When am I adding this time? What is my almsgiving going to look like, right? So we've got a way of writing this down and planning this um, so that we can, um, we can live this, this good life. And, and again, um, this is not about being downcast like the, uh, the St. Matthew's passage did, right? It's not about us looking gloomy and, you know, our father took some good things away from us, right? But it's about us being focused and disciplined in our focus on the Lord. But my warning is, as I've seen this many times, people try to fast and they haven't properly grieved. And the fast becomes an added kind of burden, unreflected burden upon a grief. Because some of us are fasting uh, from things and from people and from situations that we didn't plan on fasting from, right? We're fasting from fellowship. We could be fasting from a friendship. We could be fasting from a, a thing in our life that was good that we've lost. And so we need to acknowledge that and see that when we have depended upon those things in our life, we need to all the more turn to the Lord towards his comfort, towards his protection, towards his mercy, and to receive those good things that he has for us. To be open to those new situations and those new people and those new opportunities that he's going to give us because he is faithful and he is loving and he is kind and he is gentle and he would give us good things. If we would but grieve and experience our sorrow and loss, and wait for him to come.